hosting the Two Blokes Talking Tech. Proudly provided by Web Central. Now, it's time for Two Blokes Talking Tech. I just think technology is awesome. Good advice for anyone who is looking for a laptop. For the latest news and information about technology. Now that, that's the guy. <laughs> it's so hard to take a bad photo now with these cameras. I brilliant. think that stuff is just brilliant. It is something that people really need to look at. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Haven't we got the best jobs in the world? We have. <laughs> we absolutely have the best job. With Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com. I love talking technology. And Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. Do you really need a 10 megapixel camera to take those images? I'd say not. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Embrace those little ideas there. Have a look around and, and ask questions. This is Two Blokes Talking Tech. And thank you for listening, thank you for downloading. This is Podcasting Sensation, Two Blokes Talking Tech, ever popular, episode 24. I'm Trevor Long from yourtechlife.com, and joining me as always, the other bloke who talks tech, Stephen Fennick from techguide.com.au. G'day, mate. Hello, Trevor. How's things? Oh, mate, uh, it's been a busy, busy week, all about technology. I don't know that we... I don't think we can do justice in 30 minutes what we have to talk about. What do you think? Well, I reckon we'll give it a good crack, though, Let's mate. give it a crack, mate. Two Blokes Talking Tech. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. And it's all thanks to the good people at Samsung Smart TV and netgear.com.au. We'll tell you more about them as we roll along. And, mate, 30 years of mobile phones celebrated this week. Telstra did a good job, obviously, because they were around then, of uh, of really making a bit of hype out of this this week. Some great YouTube content from back in the day. So it was, <laughs> it was, it was a good good day of, uh, of celebration, I guess, from the, from their point of view. Yes, there was a lot of reminiscing going on this week, Trevor. 30 years ago, since the first mobile call made in Australia, uh, some interesting... It, it's, a, it's a fascinating look back at that time, back in 81. The phone weighed a hefty 14 kilograms. The handset was $5,000 in uh, mm. 1981 dollars, which equates to around 17000 in today's bucks. But uh, it's... Uh, how far we've come. It is, and that's the thing uh, that is, I think, the best thing to do about this moment is to look back and go, well, it was amazing technology, and it was very limited because, you know, they didn't really have... It wasn't 97% coverage of the country then, was it, you know? No. It was just the metro area at the very time. It was like five-kilometre radius or something, and it was this big... Not more than a brick. It was an installation. Now, my... I'm young, younger than you, <laughs> and, not you know... Not much, though. No, I know, but my... <laughs> My recollection of mobile phones is this. My mum had one in her car because we used to drive a lot. Um, and we had one of those, you know, ones in the centre console. So when I got my first car in, I don't know, 95, I think it was, 95, 96, oh, mate, I straight away put a mobile phone into it. I remember going to Strathfield Car Radios at Gosford. And I remember my phone number. It's very similar to what it, what it is now because it, it evolved from the 015 to the 04, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, you know, that beautiful big phone in the middle of the car, it was, mate, it... It was a status symbol. Let's yeah. not kid ourselves. It was a status it symble. It was. Right. Uh, my, my earliest memory was uh, making a call. I remember I was outside the SCG for some reason making a call on this brick mobile. I think it was in the in the late eighties, mid to late eighties, yeah. and uh, that was my first foray into mobiles. But then didn't didn't really like it was a novelty of of course. But then really didn't catch on again for me. I didn't really buy my my first proper mobile phone that I've got my number now to this day till I think the late 90s is when I jumped on board. Yeah, I think that's I think there's no doubt that this is 30 years is, is wonderful, but it really it really isn't anywhere near 30 years. It's really more, you know, 15, 20 if, if anything because, you know... <laughs> it, it is, a- but uh, some interesting stats though. I, I liked how, like you said, Telstra did a good job in uh, 
putting this out there, this anniversary. And uh, the, the obviously the coverage you mentioned was only in Melbourne. It, 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 it took till 1985, would you believe, though, from 81 to 85 to spread to all the other capital cities, mm. the mobile phone coverage. Um, back in 81, there were just 1,300 customers in Sydney and Melbourne. So compared to 22 million active phone services today, mm-hmm. base stations, here's an interesting one. There were three base stations in Melbourne in 1981, five of them in Sydney as well. Today, there are 7,400 <laughs> Telstra base stations across the country. Now, that is progress. That is absolutely progress. And then the other thing I think that's important to talk about in progress is not just the size, but the, the quality. Um, I'm not sure about reliability. The old analogs in the in the 90s and, and early 2000s weren't so bad, um, but, you know, they, they had their issues. But just in terms of size, isn't it interesting that you look through the last kind of 10 years and you went through this phase with those little tiny Nokias. What were they, 8310s or something? Yes, I had one tiny of those. Actually, it was so things. small, I lost it in the taxi. Everyone loved those things. And isn't yeah. it amazing now that we've gone bigger? Do you know what I mean? Small yeah. isn't king anymore because of screen size and the functionality. It's very interesting that it went from this big to this tiny, and it's, I mean, it's nowhere near as big as the brick, but it's just edging its way back up again. It is funny how that cycles. You're right, but I think uh, with with the, the obviously the, it's just dominated by the size of the screen we want now. With things that we can do now, it's, it's it's a computer in our pockets now. It's a connected device, texting, browsing the web, you name it. We can do it on this device. Calling, I think, making a phone call uh, on a device today uh, is is it's it really doesn't need to even to be said. It's just understood that this thing's going to make phone calls, whereas back in 1981, the big novelty of, oh, my God, we're making a phone call away from a telephone box or away from home, that was the big novelty at the time. And the other one, too, that for me is the, the fact that these days it's it's just it's fine. You just ring a mobile, but there are some people who still just don't like calling mobiles, but it's a very small few. But back, back in the day, it was, oh, let's not ring anyone on their mobile, very expensive. Now it's all kind of petered out to be a very, it's just making a call. Well, exactly right. Who like it, it, we're we're expected to be contacted now. That's one thing that I find that mobile mobile phones has done is that you expect to reach everyone whenever you want them. That absolutely. Now, that's a good and a bad thing, uh, but you're just expected to be reached. And just quickly, while we're talking mobiles and Telstra, Telstra announced this week that uh, they are they have gone live with a four G network, uh, which is a commercial uh, venture. It's only available for businesses, but hey, it's there and it's live. So this is a, an important step in the future of mobile now. Absolutely. We've come a long way in 30 years. This, uh, we'll, we'll, let's just say that 1981 was 0G. Mm. <laughs> uh, now, 2011, we're up to up to 4G, and as you mentioned, the uh, they've activated their network, the 4G LTE, Long Term Evolution Network, uh, and announced that they're going to have some USB modems available for business customers from August 29. And the, although what I found interesting, Trevor, was they didn't um, quote any speeds no. in the release this week. Although there have been speeds quoted from last year when testing was going on, and I, I heard download speeds on 4G of up to 149.4 megabits per second, which no. is quite fast. Yes, that is a little bit fast, isn't it? So, well, look, I guess that'll, that'll be uh, interesting as that, that hits, the, hits the market in the next few weeks. But uh, anyway, that's, the, that's mobile phones, the past, the present, and the future on Two Blokes Talking Tech. Well, 
an- another red hot area of tech uh, happens to be apart from mobile phones is GPS. Now that's oh, yeah. a market that's really growing. Uh, it's kind of petered out a little bit with with the iPhones and smartphones taking a little bit of the gloss lately, but now with uh, the latest devices, they're providing live traffic updates. And one of those is uh, the TomTom GPS, the Go Live range, which was announced last week. And what it does, it can provide traffic updates every two minutes to the device so you the 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 things the times of you trying to tune into a radio report a traffic report now you can have a live update of of events around you in terms of traffic every two minutes now explain this to me because i wasn't at the event i had to go to perth and and i remember clearly talking to tom tom and they went away from traffic to, to push their IQ root system, which is their knowledge knowledge bank, their database of, of traffic information. So in other devices, you can get the FM radio, which is not an actual radio station. It's just a transmission of data, um, sooner traffic service, um, which, you know, comes to the device via the FM and all that kind of stuff. What What is this? Is this using the mobile network to get the information to the device? And is it TomTom data? Is it RTA data? Do you know what I mean? What, what yes, are they actually is, putting? Yeah. I'll, I'll explain it. it it's well, what's what's built into the Go Live devices is a SIM card. It's right. embedded in the into the product. Now you don't need to worry about buying a plan or getting on a, a, any sort of kind of deal. Like a Kindle. Exactly. It's built into the device, and and information is delivered via GPRS. So it's over the mm-hmm. mobile network, and it uses all of those that you mentioned. It uses the Sooner network, but it also uses its own services, its own HD traffic information, which is based on information gathered from other devices that are on the road. At that so, moment? That's right, yeah, yes. that's why it's live. So what it does, wow. it combines, you mentioned IQ routes, so it takes all of that into account depending on the time of day. IQ routes determines the best route depending on the time of day yes. and where you are. So it takes all that, that's part of the picture, brings the HD traffic into it, the live traffic updates from the other devices and from TomTom's own little network, uh, and delivers that to the driver so that if they happen to be driving, say, down the M2 and there's an event, it'll alert the driver, give them an overview, give them an estimated time of uh, the delay, uh, and also give them the option of uh, avoiding it. So it'll uh, navigate around the uh, the traffic as well. Fantastic. A bit of a revolution in GPS for your car. And that they do. You're right about the iPhone thing. They've got to do new things to... Uh to make people get those devices instead of just the integrated smartphone stuff. So interesting times. Check out the new TomTom range online at TomTom and uh, TomTom Live. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech. With Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Well, Two Blokes Talking Tech is uh, kindly supported by our good friends at Samsung and their the, the smart TV, the future's here. Just like our smartphones, the smart TVs are now giving us access to a whole range of options now, including apps and content. You know, just on the app side, the categories on the apps that I've noticed are growing every day. There's videos, information, sports, gaming, lifestyle, and as I said, they're growing day by day. So your TV experience has changed immensely. You can also surf the web, too, with your smart TV. I've just been reviewing uh, the 55-inch Series 8 LED, the very the 0.5 bezel frame around the TV. Very smart. The, my website looks terrific on that just TV. gorgeous TV, isn't it? <laughs> it is. It's great. So oh, you could surf the web, or you can even check your social networks, and you, you, you can tweet and Facebook as often as you want from the comfort of your lounge, uh, and, and all while you're watching live TV. But it's also, apart from being a smart TV, it's also a 3D TV. 
TV. So it combines the amazing depth and realism with really good 3D sound. So that brings that whole experience to provide together to provide a really nice 3D cinematic experience. And if there's not enough 3D content, native 3D content around for you, you can also use the 2D to 3D converter. So if you want to watch the mighty Rabbitohs winning by 50 over the Eels this week, <laughs> you can use the 2D to 3D converter. Nathan Merritt's tries would have looked even better in 3D. Mm. Well, I was at the game, so I watched it in 3D anyway. But uh, the Samsung TV available in Plasma LED uh, is available now at leading retailers. Then the Samsung apps and the web browser, you can only view, use those on selected smart TV models. If you want any more information, visit samsung.com.au slash TV for details. Now, Facebook is a phenomenon. There's no doubt about that. And another little phenomenon within Facebook was, uh, for a while, was games. And Farmville was huge. There's still a lot going on there. And it's very viral. And it's very time-consuming. And this is <laughs> the way I know that Facebook is being taken seriously. And and another thing about what, I, what I'm going to tell you about is Sims Social. The Sims is an amazing series of games that stemmed from the old Sim City and it went into the, the actual daily life of a, an individual being that you controlled instead of a whole city. And it was a great game on PC and then all the platforms. But what they're doing is they're developing, and it'll be out later this month, I believe, they're developing Sims Social on Facebook and I'm telling you I've had a look at the preview video this thing will be viral because it's all about you know um, like if, if my character and your character interact in the game Steve it, yep. it, and we become enemies it'll it'll post a status saying you know in Sim Social, Trevor and Steve are enemies oh, or stuff like that really like, is this this is going to take over it, Trevor I it, thought people waste enough time on Facebook this is going to give, give make it even worse and while you're on Facebook people techguide.com.au and your tech life we've both got pages yeah click that like <laughs> button we like, we like it when you like us we like exactly now the thing the thing I like and forget the Sims right so that's great it's a, it's a wonderful thing but this is what What's interesting is EA, who who bring out The Sims, don't you think they are one of the most front foot, forward facing gaming companies on the planet? They're on every device. They're really going hard on gaming on iPad. And if they're taking those games to Facebook, can you imagine where this is going to end up? It's just stunning to think about the future of of simple gaming. I'm not talking about complex gaming. I'm talking about simple (laughs) tablet and and online social gaming. It's going to be a very interesting few years. Absolutely, but uh, you, you mentioned these things can actually post statuses on your behalf. Is that what you said? So well, I, I'm it, not really comfortable with that. No, not a status. It's it's just like the Farmville updates where it says, you know, ah, such and so such. So you can annoy just... your friends in another in other ways. Exactly. I've planted a crop of tomatoes. <laughs> Who cares? Um, but that's that's the way Facebook works. It's about viral gaming, and that's what this is. Sims Social coming later this month. Two blokes talking tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, 3D TV is in an interesting place at the moment, Trevor. Now, a year ago, they were released in a blaze of glory. It was 3D or bust. Uh, Market responded, dropped away a little bit. I think a combination of the... The content not quite being there just yet and just the, the battle with the glasses. Now, mm. one thing I found interesting and people were very surprised to know that back then, glasses from one TV, say, let's just say I'm watching a 3D Samsung television. Yeah, and I'm watching a 3D you, LG. You got an LG or a Panasonic or whatever. You come around to my place with your glasses. Mm. Those glasses from your TV will not work on any other television. Amazing. Now, that was a bit disappointing if you got all your mates who come around and watch a 3D match. You're going to have to spring for a lot of pairs of glasses That's for right. your particular TV. But now, 
that's going to be a thing of the past. And I think sanity has prevailed here. The three major companies involved, Samsung, Sony and Panasonic, have joined forces to create universal technology for 3D active shutter glasses so mm. that they're going to standardise that technology so glasses will work across all of their TVs rather than just on their own. Now, an important thing here to, to clarify, that means that it's wonderful, fantastic, but it's not going to be backwards compliant. It's not going to work on all the old TVs that are in the market already. It's for new TVs upcoming, yeah? Well, I think they're going to make them backwards compatible. Okay. My info from the release I, I, I uh, got this week That's was good. that... Compatible with 2011 3D TVs okay. or late, the, the, from now on. So, yeah. so 2010 TVs, I think, are out of the loop. But from now on, they'll be backwards compatible. And the other thing we'll note quickly, if you're wondering, people, why Stephen mentioned Sony, Samsung and Panasonic, LG aren't there because they are pushing heavily their passive glasses, which are more like the cinema style, which I prefer because I don't get a headache from them, but the, yes. they don't they don't offer the full high definition uh, resolution when you're running the 3D, and there's a few other issues like that, but essentially I'd say that's why they're not on board here, because they're not Absolutely. pushing the active shutter technology. Yep, hit the nail on the head, and uh, but I think, what do you, I, I, will this, do you think, maybe prop up 3D TV no. sales? Do you think people are going to rush out and buy their 3D TVs? Because, like I mentioned, it did come out in a blaze of glory this year. Not quite as much uh, interest in it. The, the, the state of origin wasn't offered in 3D. Well, you could only watch Wimbledon in the in the cinemas in 3D. If you owned a 3D TV, you couldn't even watch Wimbledon in 3D. So what do you think this is going to do? It was revealed today that the, the transmitter that was transmitting 3D television in the metro cities has been removed. It's no longer there. The, the free-to-air networks cannot transmit 3D anymore, even if they wanted to. No yeah. applications have been made to. And as I've said today on a couple of radio stations, it there will be mo- no more 3D on, on, on free-to-air television. On free-to-air, though. Foxtel's still no, going to keep right. it. And up. there will Fox be no too. more... There will not be HD content until 2014, when the restack happens of your digital channels, and everyone in Australia, 22 million people on 10 million-plus televisions, have to rescan their televisions to get all the channels in a new order, and it'll give the, the channels option to create more space, potentially for 3D, and they'll start doing HD content then. So, look... You, you I, can always rely on 3D. 3D on Blu-ray, though, don't forget. There's exactly. still a lot of Blu-ray releases. That's the important thing here. The reason not to avoid 3D when you're shopping is because it's still a great option to have. It's not that much yeah. more expensive, and you can get movies on, on 3D. You've got Foxtel 3D channels, and they'll probably push that heavier now. Games, games, and games. as well. So there's a lot still to do in 3D. I'm still not a massive fan, but I, I, if I was buying a new TV today, I wouldn't scrimp a couple of hundred bucks not to get the 3D option. That's where I'm at anyway. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennec. Now, I'm, I love my animals. That's all well and good. But Pedigree today <laughs> sent me an email about an app. And I thought, what, what the heck? They make pet food, don't they? <laughs> anyway, so there's a thing called the Pedigree Animal Adoption Drive going on right now, okay? And it's all about, you know, there's a whole stack of beautiful little animals that need adopting and they want to get people out there looking at them. And what a fantastic concept to get people looking at them than to release an app for iPhone and Android. And here's how it works. Mate, you download the Dog-A-Like app. Dog-A-Like, that's right. Not look-alike, Dog-A-Like. <laughs> and you hold the phone up and you take a photo of someone, just like a passport photo, you know, white background and everything, and then you go submit. And it searches the pedigree adoption drive database 
to find a dog that looks like you. Oh, my God. So then, ha- have you tried this, Trevor? And, yeah. and I'd, li- I'd be very interested <laughs> to know what kind of dog breed you resemble. I, I can't tell you what it is because I don't know, but I did tweet it earlier. So if you have a look at, at Trevor Long, there was a tweet sometime <laughs> earlier today where it was just a, it was a very cute little dog, I must say. Well, and, I don't know whether to be insulted <laughs> or to laugh at this. Trevor, what do we do? So, it's, look, it's a stack of fun because then you, you can share the photo. Yeah, That's it's what it's all about. It's just about viral sharing and getting the information out there. Yeah. It's a bit of fun. Uh, smart play on there. Oh, I, great yeah, play because I took it around the office and showed a few people. They just loved it. It was a bit of viral fun. So good on Pedigree for that one. And it's called the Dog Alike app. It's available for Android and iPhone. And Two Bikes Talking Tech, also brought to you by the good people at Netgear, netgear.com.au, and it's all about networking. Whatever you want in your network, whether you need a new modem, whether you need a new router, or whether you don't know you need that, and you think, maybe my network's not performing as well as it could. If If you're adding devices to your network all the time, and you want to get the best out of them on the Wi-Fi or or direct cable connection. Netgear routers and modems are fantastic products, whether it's, um, you know, if you're doing VoIP and video across your network, so you're transferring videos, you're watching videos over your network, or you're doing Skype and different VoIP in your home, you should be looking for a dual-band router, and Netgear have a stack of those, and they're good quality. And what that does is it separates the traffic, and I I talked last night about this being kind of like having a a, a bus lane on the the road, and you can put the, uh, if you're a motorbike, I of a voice traffic, you can go down the bus lane, scooting along past all the traffic, which is your internet, other traffic. It's a great way to separate things out and give you priority to your voice and, and video networks. Those kind of solutions are the kind of things that you can get from Netgear. And when you go into a good retailer, you'll see all the big brands there. And Netgear's got a stack of products, modems, routers, connectivity for your TV. So if you've bought one of these great smart TVs, make sure it's on your network. And you can do that thanks to Netgear, netgear.com.au. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen Fennick. Now, we don't want to get too caught up in this because we'll probably talk about it more next week. But, mate, how good is the Ford Focus in terms of technology? You and I are both driving a Ford Focus at the moment. Thankfully, they're two separate cars, so I don't have to share a car with you two regularly. Exactly right. Yeah, um, it's, uh, I'm very pleasantly surprised, actually, Trevor. I'm not uh, not known to be a Ford man, but I was very interested to hear about this and try it out. It's uh, quite a gadget-filled car for your, for your tech geeks out there. This is the car for you, I'd say. So I'll, I'll just... Just run you through a couple of things before we tell you more about it next week. But essentially, the number one thing I'll tell you, it's complicated. There's 20-something buttons on the steering wheel and 50-something buttons oh, on the centre console. there's more buttons on the, in this Crazy. thing than on the space shuttle. Exactly. And, and there's three things it does, which I'll tell you briefly, and then we'll explain it next week. Firstly, speed limiting. It'll actually limit you from, from speeding over a certain limit that you set. So great for school zones. It will allow you to have adaptive cruise control, which means it will maintain the gap to the car in front of you on a freeway. And if that car breaks... It'll break for you. It's stunning. And the last thing it'll do is it will reverse park the car for you. You control the brake and the accelerator, but it controls the steering wheel. And, Steve, I've done this once thus far. It is mind-boggling, and I I, I just love it. I've tried it a couple of times, and uh, it 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 is it takes a little bit of getting used to parking without touching the steering wheel. But you just do have to control the brake and the accelerator. So, uh, so it is it is pretty cool. All those people talking, who are scared of reverse parking are going to really be really excited about this. We're one. not talking about a hundred thousand dollar Mercedes here. We're talking about a thirty odd thousand dollar Ford Focus little hatchback. So look, uh, uh, you'll write an article on it next week at TechGuide.com today. I'm going to put photos on the Facebook page as we go along, and I'll do a video on it too. It's a great looking car, and I've got to tell you, I've driven not a bad. lot of 
cars, and this is the most tech-savvy car I've driven. So, um, interesting one, mate. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a good little week because I'll uh, test it out over the weekend heavily. Absolutely. Likewise, uh, I think we got the same colour car. I got a blue one. What did you get, Trevor? Blue one. It's a turbo diesel. So you, there you, you know, go. You know it's think, a diesel because uh, it sounds like a truck. Yeah, it's no Ferrari, but it's uh, <laughs> it's a nice little ride for the week. It's no Porsche either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ford Focus will tell you more about it next week. Now, we've all heard of the uh, the Kindle from Amazon. That seems to be the most popular e-reader on the market. Uh, it's been available for Australian customers for a couple of years now, but the only way you could buy it was through the Amazon website. So you had to log on, you had to order it, pay the shipping costs, and wait for it to turn up on your front door. Now, a lot of people have gone ahead and done it, but a lot of people hesitated, thinking, well, they wanted to really touch and feel the device and, and, and yeah. see if it's, if it's for them. So they may have held off. But the good news for these people is that it's actually going to go on sale in selected Australian stores from the end of August. Now, Woolworths, Big W and Dick Smith are going to stock the device, the Wi-Fi and the 3G Plus Wi-Fi version. They're going to have special display areas so people can actually get their hands on them and try it out for themselves. You know, this to me is it's great, but do you know what else it demonstrates to me? It demonstrates to me that online is fantastic for buying, but you're always going to need the bricks and mortar because there is a massive number of people who want to touch feel and, and try before they buy and I think this is proof of that I think it's proof that people will still buy in a retail store when you've got that impulse happening let alone you just want to touch and feel I think that's an important thing to come out of this do you? Absolutely, yeah. Well, I think that there's going to be a lot of customers who, like I mentioned, that may have thought, well, it might not be for me, but when they get it in their hands, that's why, you know, just to digress slightly, that's why Apple stores are so popular. People buy stuff in their stores. They Absolutely. get in the store, touch and feel the products, and think, God, this is great, and they want to buy it, and they do. But their so, online store is, is, is a massive revenue earner for them because they know that's where people will buy if they've touched it, if they've tried it. And if they're a repeat buyer, that's their cunning plan. It's, it's about bringing them in, getting them using, and then buying regularly. Totally right. And, and just on the pricing side too, the, uh, the devices will be the Wi-Fi only version will be $159 uh, and 219 for the Wi-Fi and 3G. So that's the device you can use anywhere. And the other one only in the Wi-Fi networks. That compares to on the Amazon website at the moment. I think the the Wi-Fi only is US dollars one thirty nine, uh, and the three G is US dollars one eighty nine. And plus you have to add shipping costs to that, so it works out around about the same price whether you buy it online or buy it in store. There you go. Buy the Kindle in a store. Um, that's the way to do it in Australia now. If you don't want to buy online, two blokes talking tech. You're listening to two blokes talking tech with Trevor Long. Now, I was in Perth last week, and I didn't get a chance to try this, but uh, before we wrap up, two quick things. I'll, I'll talk about an app, and you, t- <laughs> you can tell us about an interesting change to, uh, to, to modern society. I, um, I, we got an information from a, a listener, Dana, who, uh, thank you for the info, Dana. She um, sent us information about an, uh, an app called GoCatch. Now, it's, it's, it's a taxi app, right? But it's not silver service. It's actually like a crowdsourcing taxi app because what you do is you say, I want a taxi, I'm here. And then if you're a taxi driver and you've got the app, you can see passengers on the map. So it's bringing passengers and taxi drivers together in simple app form. That is, this is a smart little app. Now, how frustrating is it when you can't find a cab? Oh. Now, this app, what this app does, it actually maps all the vacant taxis that happen to be using this app as well. So, we're bringing the, both sides of the market together. And the beauty of it is, is you can actually book the cab on the app, view it on the map, 
and watch it as it approaches so you can know exactly where it is uh, and when it arrives you, you know where it, you, know, you can be there ready to go uh, and you can also recommend cab driver too so it's going to really empower cab drivers who do a great who provide mm-hmm. a great service because users of the app can recommend them can can call on them again uh, it's just a, a, a quite a simple concept but a very smart one developed by two Sydney entrepreneurs by the way too this is an Australian designed app so uh, anything to make catching a cab easier especially in those busy times I, uh, I applaud I love it it's called Go Catch and it's available on the iPhone or iOS devices right now Now, I, uh, I just thought we'd finish up on quite a quirky little story here, Trevor. Now, I don't know about you, but there's a few people that are in my Facebook, that are my Facebook friends, that really, they, they try to make you a little bit jealous <laughs> you know, about where they are and what they're doing. And one of them, one of the ways they do that is they love to take pictures of their food in fancy restaurants. Have you ever had this? Have you had yeah. friends on this? You? you know my problem. I've got a mate who I work with, too, who, who's become <laughs> a food blogger. And okay. you know what's the <laughs> and tongue? If you're listening, mate, I, I love you to bits. But seriously, you go to dinner with the bloke, and he takes his SLR camera out and takes a photo of everything. So, mate, well, we're having dinner. <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. That's a bit extreme, but I suppose it's for his blog. But there's a lot of people who do this on Facebook. Personally, I don't do this myself, but I do know a lot yeah. of people who do. Now, there are some restaurants in Melbourne that are actually putting their foot down and not allowing their food to be photographed. Be cool, isn't it? Because, you know, th- this is an interesting experiment because there's one thing to say that, but there's another thing to say you've got to wonder about the benefits of it to the restaurant. Now, obviously, if it's negative comment or negative photo, then, yeah, you don't want it, but that means you've got to lift your game. This is the this is the thing about the social media world we live in. Mate, if people see a great steak, if I see a great steak, I'm tempted to go there. Absolutely, but you think think of the other side of that coin, though. I think the restaurateurs are a bit worried about. They're a bit sensitive about how the photographs are taken, mm. whether their food's being represented in the right way. Like pictures of half-eaten dishes aren't that attractive. Yep. Uh, they're thinking of their product now. Personally, I, I, if I was a restaurateur, I wouldn't mind my my food being photographed it's kind of free advertising for your restaurant but uh there's surprisingly there's a few other restaurants in melbourne that are banding together to to not allow their food to be photographed well i think it is an interesting move it's one of those things that's going to happen with a lot of different things not just food and photos but it's just going to be an interesting uh, the way the world adapts to social media we'll have to watch it and see over the next couple of years really because we're in that transitional phase to a whole new new world to be honest but anyway uh, check it out and let us know if you've if you've been stopped from taking a photo somewhere i'd love to know sure the, one comment from one of the uh the one of the uh, customers was i'm sure the food won't mind uh yeah. being photographed so yes well <laughs> only if it's a good model you know one who pays attention and poses correctly it's all it's all about the model isn't it to get the lighting right two blokes talking tech two blokes talking tech you're listening to two blokes talking tech with trevor long and stephen fennick thank you mate uh, that is two blokes talking tech episode 24 the quarter century next week mate Oh, it's, we've, uh, that's a landmark landmark uh, podcast next week. Got it's, a lot to talk about. I think we've got two weeks of celebrations ahead. We'll celebrate the quarter century next week and the half year the, the week after. What do you think? I think that's a great <laughs> idea. I'm looking forward to it. All right, mate. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You get us all at twoblokestalkingtech.com uh, and iTunes. Uh, do rate it and, and review it. If, you, if you're there on iTunes, we'd love to hear your comments. Send us an email, Two Blokes Talking Tech, and you can catch everything Stephen does at, t- at techguide.com.au and at Facebook and everything I do at yourtechlife.com. Two Blokes Talking Tech. You're listening to Two Blokes Talking Tech with Trevor Long and Stephen.